0: Hi, and welcome to episode 121 of the Untethered Podcast. Today we have Dr. Ryan Robinson joining us. Dr. Robinson graduated from dental school and he couldn't wait to get back to the community in which he grew up. He was looking forward to helping people achieve their perfect smile. Little did he know that a few years later, his background in dentistry would give him the opportunity to look beyond the teeth to something that could have changed his patient's overall health the airway. Dr. Robinson is Delaware's first and only doctor triple board certified in craniofacial pain and dental sleep medicine. After many years of treating the airway in his general dental practice, Dr. Robinson decided to open up a specialty practice to address the needs of the community. This practice called the pain and sleep therapy center focuses on finding the origin of the problem as opposed to treating with medications and band-aid fixes that have become so routine in today's medical system. Dr. Robinson dedicates his time to treating craniofacial pain, including TMD and headaches, sleep breathing disorders, including snoring and sleep apnea as as well as dentofacial orthodontics, which focuses on proper development of the face and airway. Dr. Robinson treats patients of all ages and states, it's extremely rewarding to help an adult enhance their quality of life by finding and treating the source of their issues. What's even more powerful is treating children and having the opportunity to cure their problems. He goes on to say children are the most fun because with early intervention and therapy, we can help the child grow and develop properly, saving them a lifetime of issues that otherwise would not have been identified. We focus on identifying these issues at a young age so we don't ever have to treat them as an adult. Dr. Robinson is a published author and is passionate about spreading the message of airway health through his book, The Root Cause, Discover the Why Behind Your TMJ and Sleep Issues. In his spare time, he enjoys spending time with his wife, Renee, and their two children, Bryce and Reese. He also enjoys golfing, attending sporting events, and traveling. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to talk about all things, you know, TMD and airway and all the amazing things that you're doing out there.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Let me just first start by thanking you because um, I feel like in this in this field um, that we're in, you know, the airway space, um, even TMD, the TOTS world and my functional therapy, like there really isn't, you know, that many great resources for information for people to come and kind of learn about this stuff and become more aware. So I applaud you for what you're doing. It's incredible. I wish I had the, the, the time and energy that you have to kind of get this message out to the world. Um, but I've been following you since you started. And I think you have the world's greatest um, podcast. I, I listen oh. to it all the time. And, and I just want to thank you for your contribution to the field. Because without this, I don't think, you know, you know, half of us dentists are even looking at the things that we should be looking at. So um, thank you for everything you've done for us.
0: Well, thank you. It's, it's been really fun and really amazing. I'm not sure how I found the time for it either, but I think it came to the point where I said, you know, there, I just went to look for the podcast and it wasn't there. And I was like, oh man, this is like, this is totally my MO. I'm like, all right, well, we're just going to create it then let's do this thing. And it's, it's really been amazing because I've really, I've gotten to meet so many professionals and individuals in the space that I never would have crossed paths with, I think otherwise. And so it's really been a great connecting, you know, great networking and connections have been, you know, and it's just, it's so fun. And I love connecting families, especially with professionals and other professionals with professionals. So it's really given me that opportunity to do that and really help families get the care that they need to. So even if it's not my team, you know, and me who are working with them directly. Um, But anyway, so let's, let's talk about you. So let's jump into your journey and uh, you know, your journey into the TMD space and the airway world, you know, how did that happen for you?
1: Yeah, well, I've learned through doing a couple of these podcasts that we don't really have time for it all. So I'll try and kind of hit the the key points here. Um, But you know, like most, uh, I'd say, you know, hungry, ambitious, you know, young dental professionals in the world. I, I graduated from dental school in 2011. I was indoctrinated with this information that I thought was you know, Bible that I thought was the, was the word of the Lord. And, um, I came out just extremely hungry, ready to learn, ready to, you know, give people smiles, ready to, you know, change people's, uh, life through, through helping out with their teeth, um, and their oral health. And, um, I came into the world, uh, the dental world really quickly. I bought a large dental practice in my, um, in my area where I grew up in, which is Delaware, um, which is actually a state. If you didn't know that, it's the first state. Um, people just know it as like the 20 minutes that they they pass on 95 to get to like you know DC and Philadelphia. But uh, it actually is a state, and you can stop and say hello. We have some good beaches down here as well. Um, but anyway, so I came back to the to the um, the town that I grew up in and uh, bought a pretty pretty big practice. Um, you know, there was a couple dentists there. I came in, I purchased it. It was a guy who was kind of considered one of the godfathers of our communities when it comes to dentistry. I learned a lot from him from a, from the business aspect of things, um, but I kind of came in with my own ideas. I kind of came in with my own business acumen, my own business plan. I... Created what, what we now refer to as the wow experience where I just wanted to like literally every single patient that walked in the door, I wanted them to have a wow type of experience so they went and told their friends and family, and we grew pretty fast and we grew, grew pretty significantly and um, you know life was great you know my wife and I had been married for I think four or five you know, six years at this point, a couple of years into dentistry, we got married in dental school. Uh, actually, we're middle school sweethearts, if, um, uh, which Aww. is just wild. Um, so we, we got married early in dental school and, you know, we were living a great life. I was making a ton of money. I was you know, helping change people's lives. I was I was the CE junkie. I was just traveling around, you know, the country on the weekends, like learning everything I could. I wanted to be the best root canal specialist. I wanted to be the best implant, you know, dentist. I, I was doing orthodontics. I was doing like there, I was doing surgery, um, you know, third molars and stuff like that. There there wasn't anything that I didn't touch, just because I was extremely excited to, you know, be able to do all these things. So that was all going all well and dandy. And, you know, I I chose dentistry because of that, you know, cushy lifestyle and the ability to not deal with morbidity, mortality, the ability to have weekends and nights free and, you know, create this life that I wanted. That's the whole reason I became a dentist. No offense to dentistry, but I didn't really know if I would love it until I, until I got into it. And then, so the world kind of changed. And probably, as you know, when you have kids, like, like, I felt like I was just going a million miles an hour down the freeway. Mm -hmm. Like, grabbing everything in sight that I possibly could. And, you know, trying to do as much as I could. And then I had my first, you know, child and in in 2015, and like, it was like the perfect storm of intervention in my life that I needed. And it was just like, Whoa, like, you know, now life had a little bit more of a meaning to it. I, I took my first airway course in 2015. This was four years after I graduated dental school. I didn't even know what an airway airway was. I just I think the title was a a big, a big conference. And the title was like, you know, add an additional million dollars to your practice. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) I'd like to add an additional million dollars to my practice. So I did this breakout session and I'm like, holy mackerel, like everything that this guy was saying, I was like, wow, I've been looking at this stuff forever and I've just been ignoring it. And I've just been, you know, um, thinking that it was a variation of normal. Like it's what we were taught in dental school is like, Hey, this stuff is just a variation of normal. This stuff is, you know, just, um, uh, something that's there and we don't know why. And so that kind of made me raise more awareness to like, "Well, well, why, you know, and that's, we're gonna talk about my book, I know, but that's the whole thing. Like, why, 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 why? And so I've really never been the guy to kind of stay within the rule book and sort of, you know, um, just do what I was told. I was always the person who kind of challenged the norms and asked why and said, well, why not? And, you know, how can I possibly do better than what's currently going on? I I believe truly that if we bring an open mind to every situation that we come into, we're gonna learn. And when we learn, we're gonna do better. And, you know, with quotes all over my office, all over the walls. And one of my favorites one is the Maya Angelou quote that says, you know, do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, you do better. Right. So that's yeah. what kind of we do. So 2015 cha- changed my life. My son was born. I took my first airway course. I came back with a full head of steam. My staff thought I was absolutely crazy. I had like five hygienists at that time. We were cranking. I had three doctors working for me. I mean, we were a big, huge operating practice making, um, uh, making a lot of money treating a lot of patients and I was like pause time out we need to start screening for the airway and people were like what the hell is that and I'm <laughs> like oh, here's what here's what this is and here's what we need to do from from now on so we just started screening and referring out for sleep studies and things like that and and organically this just continued to grow and as I saw more people come back that were treated with CPAP successfully I'm like wow we're really well." like I I you know, wives that were, you know, coming in and saying, you saved my husband's life um, or the reverse, right? You know, you, you, I got back in bed with my husband. I was the one who was snoring. Right. And so it, it was just this wild sort of paradigm shift in my life that just made me get even hungrier and made me even be more devoted. And so, you know, fast forward a couple of years to 2018 and literally from 2015 to 2018, I went on this, like this intense, you know, while we had our first you know, son. And then in 2017, we had our, our daughter, um, Reese. And so throughout that time, I was just burning and churning on, on CE. I put everything else aside. I didn't want to do another root canal. I didn't want to place another implant. I just wanted to learn about the airway and in doing so I learned about, you know, craniofacial pain and that type of thing. Um, And so 2018 comes and I'm literally sitting for three board exams, Uh, American American Board of Craniofacial Pain, American Board of Dental Sleep Medicine, American Board of Craniofacial Dental Sleep Medicine. And so like, you know, these are the the highest kind of distinct, uh, distinguishing, you know, boards that kind of govern, you know, people like me who do what I do. And so 2018, I got triple boarded all in one year. It was was wild.
0: And so
1: (laughs) at, at that point, I had been treating the airway for a while and, you know, it started, you know, with just treating sleep appliances with CPAP failures and things like that. And then it got it more into like, oh, we can be like the first step for these patients. We can be someone who does a comprehensive evaluation and not everybody needs a CPAP. Not everybody needs their tonsils and adenoids out. Not everybody needs an oral appliance. Like how do we figure out a system, a um, you know, a, 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 an operation that we can, you know, be the first line of defense that we can have our general dental practices screen for this stuff, be able to refer it to me and my team, my airway team, um, to do a comprehensive workup and then figure out what that patient needs. So, you know, this has come a long way. So in 2018, I'm like, you know what, we've, we've grown out of this umbrella, this general dental practice, I need to create my own center, I need to create a center that's dedicated to you know TMD um airway um uh, myofunctional therapy that that type of thing so in 2019 after we built a brand new office 5800 square feet office you know with 11 ops and no dentistry whatsoever taking place inside those doors just limited to TMD and sleep um here we are like you know 2 years later we we made it through covid and i have a the most amazing team in the world i have um, Two my functional therapists that work uh, with me full-time. I have Dr. Joanna Green, who I know you've interviewed mm-hmm. um, previously. And she's kind of, you know, come, I, I, I joke with her all the time. I'm like, I've infiltrated your mind and now you can't not see. Because <laughs> you know what Frank Spear, Spear says? He says, you can only, you know, treat what you can see and you can yep. only see what you, what you know. Mm-hmm. So once I kind of drug her into the airway world with me, like now she's like the queen of tots. She's like the... For specialist. She does early intervention, growth appliances. Um, she does comprehensive orthodontics now. Both of my kids. Um, are in active myofunctional therapy with Lauren, our myofunctional therapist. They're both in ALF appliances um, with Dr. Green. So we always we joke with the kids. They have ALF. We got an ALF in their mouth. Um, so that's what we say at our practice. But uh, yeah, it's become it's become a whole a whole a whole lifestyle for me. And I I don't do dentistry anymore. I don't do any of the things that I learned in dental school, which is just wild because I felt like. You know, I, anything that I do now is like not what I learned in dental school. Like everything was like a was a paradigm shift for me, and every, everything was a challenge to what I had previously learned. So um, that's sort of a a, a long story, sh- sort of short shortened a little bit. Um, so that's where we're at. We've created the the Pain and Sleep Therapy Center in Newark, Delaware. We consider it a very comprehensive um, center for any anybody who's struggling with, you know, head pain. Anybody who's struggling with you know, sleep issues, anybody who's struggling with breathing issues, like we, we really have um, created quite a team. And, you know, we'll get into this, not just our team, but we've created quite a network in our, in our, um, in our area. And without the network, you know, affiliated providers that I refer to on a daily basis, like I would I wouldn't even be a quarter as successful as I am today. So, you know, I owe a lot of what I do to my team. I owe even more to my mentors that have helped me kind of grow into this. And really become passionate about this and really look to change people's lives. And, you know, it got it's went from, you know, treating the adults to, you know, now we have a heavy focus on the kids, which is just even more amazing. And, you know, my wife has her own journey, my kids have their journey. And, uh, you know, I'm just here to kind of facilitate this and, and make sure that people get the help that they need.
0: That's amazing. I love it. And I know we we chatted a little bit beforehand and we have very parallel lives just in terms of our, our kids' age and their journeys, their health and all that fun stuff. And so, you know, like Lily had gone through her ALF appliance, Mayo, Tots release, and Mia, we're looking at her because she's got a little bit of summertime asthma that seems to come and go. But, you know, I'm I'm looking at this and going, there's other things that are telling me that we may need to do some early expansion with her as well. And I just- I love early intervention. And it's funny because you mentioned that you, where you started is absolutely not where you are now. You're not doing the same thing that you're doing when you when you graduated. And when I graduated in 2009 from grad school, I was working with preschoolers doing speech and language and then I went into early intervention and I was doing more feeding and I did some feeding in the schools but it was not allowed and you know when I went into early intervention I got to start to do a little bit of that but at that point I was burnt out and I was like I'm out of here I'm going to work in private practice took about eight months off went to work for a private practice for a year before opening my own and it was just it's been a complete 180 I mean we went from I was specializing in working with kids with autism and I was going you know kids have these patterns about the foods that they will eat and that they won't eat. And I was very fascinated about it. I really wanted to dive deeper into like the gut brain connection and the root cause behind some of these things that we were seeing. And that really further led me down my path to just becoming a pediatric feeding specialist. And so with that, I felt like I was already doing some of the myofunctional things. I just didn't have a name for it. It wasn't taught in grad school. I was looking at these things and going, how can we help these children. And that missing piece was truly understanding that we need to add a little bit into the mix of pediatric feeding. You know, when we're talking about a child, usually under the age of four, it's usually more of a pediatric feeding approach with, I call it with a twist of Mayo. Um, and once you're at the cognitive level, a four-year-old will do like a more traditional Mayo program. And those are obviously not hard numbers, but an SLP and trained in the space knows what they can do with what patient. Um, and so it was just, it was very fascinating when, you know, I went, took my Mayo course, my Mayo eyes were on and I was like, oh no, (laughs) I have to go back now and assess like those eight kids. I'm not even going to charge the families. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to offer an assessment. And I'm telling you, it completely changed my treatment protocol. Everything I was doing with those children changed. I had kids, I had a child who went for a emergency um, tonsillectomy, snoring, you know, her AHIs, her snore was worse than middle-aged overweight men. I mean, it was, it's incredible what is being missed in these early populations and some especially I always preach this to early interventionists who go into preschools if you can go pop in once in a while and listen to these kids while they're sleeping during nap time if they're a kid who's there all day you are going to very quickly identify children who you may not be treating immediately but you sure as heck better be referring them out for a sleep study or to somebody who can look at their airway because it's, you know, I would walk in and go, does that child always sound like that? Or are they just, are they sick right now? And, you know, they say, oh no, you know, she always sounds like that. And I was like, ooh, I, you know, went to the director and I said, look, I know I might be overstepping here, but I'm really concerned about this, concerned about this child's health. And that led to, you know, this happened in many instances, but there's so many different ways that we can get to helping these children and these families if we know how. And so I'm I'm really excited every time I speak to somebody who gets it because you know the early intervention is so critical. It's critical to their brain development, it's critical to their functioning in school and classrooms. It goes beyond just like how well they sleep at night and if they wet the bed or not, which are all very important things, but it really impacts their daily function and you know, anyway, so I'll, I'll stop talking and turn it back over to you. But, um, but yeah, so you, I know you, you've built this amazing network. You have this multi multidisciplinary treatment approach and you're getting amazing patient outcomes. Um, how are you, how early, I guess would be the best question. How early are you all working with these patients in your practice?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And let me just first start by saying, I think that's a fantastic idea, which you just mentioned. I'm going to steal that from you about like having like going into the daycares and having like the preschool teachers. A little screening or something. Mm -hmm. Screening like during nap time, right? I mean, that's genius. And I've never thought of that. I like, I feel like I need to now go around to my community and spread that information. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for that. I already pulled out that pearl and that's going to there's going to be an initiative next week for that. I can promise you that. <laughs> awesome. um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, in our practice, we, we like to consider ourselves, you know, from womb to tomb is what we say. Um, we honestly, we, we've, we've grown this really um, awesome network of providers. And so we're, we're working with, you know, IBCLCs who have these programs where they start getting intervention into life in, in, in the womb. Like, so they're working with mothers who are, who are just learning that they're pregnant. They're just learning, um, you know, that they're going to have a child and they're wondering what, what's next. And so we have these IBCLCs in our community who, you know, um, kind of walk through, you know, what, what to expect and what good nutrition looks like and what good sleep looks like. I mean, all the latest research that we're seeing is telling us that, you know, sleep disorder, breathing and lack of craniofacial development and tongue ties and all the, all these things that happen, this happens this happens before birth i mean this happens you know and, and if the mother has a problem then more than likely the baby's going to have a problem so you know we're starting early 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 and so we've created a infant frenectomy program where we sort of are the uh, wide receivers of of the ibclcs you know they kind of do an evaluation once the baby's born do a feeding evaluation and look for any structural, physical limitations, meaning ties and things mm-hmm. like that. And then once they find them, they send it over to, you know, Dr. Green and I to assess and figure out, you know, if this is something that needs a revision or a, re- or a release or some sort of surgical intervention. Or if it's something that we just need to work with body work or something that we just need to work, you know, more closely with function, right, because it's not all about appearance, it's about appearance and function and, you know, the whole, um, the whole assessment here and the whole team assessment, so we get involved with babies like, you know, from two days, two days, uh, you know, after birth, I mean, we have uh, lactate, uh, just regular LCs from the hospitals who, uh, refer to us directly right from the hospital. And then That's we find fantastic. them, and then we find them a feeding, um, and uh, lactation home. And we go from there and we use a, we use a really team approach. So yeah, we, we treat the babies and then like we're our, the gap that we had for the longest time was like, we treated the babies and then I've been treating the adults, you know, for a really long time. And we didn't have that intermediary, you know, piece of our practice. And so I wanted to do it, but I'm really busy with the adult part. You know, I work all five days a week. I work Monday through Friday, Friday, and I'm extremely busy putting out all the fires that walk into my practice. I'm the only one in my, in my whole entire area that does anything with craniofacial pain, anything Mm -hmm. with TMD. So I get a ton of general dental referrals and, you know, sort of the secret behind a lot of that is a lot of these patients that are walking in with craniofacial pain and TMD they actually have an underlying sleep breathing disorder and we yeah. find that and it's something that was going that has gone unnoticed so then when you start you know getting patients head pain controlled you start getting them breathing sleeping better you know the next question always is well what about my kids how do we prevent them from turning into me? And I say, you know, that's the question I asked myself yeah. when I started doing this, when I had kids as well. It's like, well, how, you know, my wife, my we can talk about this, but my wife went through an expansion. She went through, um, she went through a two jaw surgery, um, you know, out in California. She's going through my functional therapy. She's going through the whole gamut of things. You know, I wear, an, I wear an orthotic at nighttime to sleep. I wear nasal cones to sleep. I tape my mouth shut every single night. It's like, well, how do we, how do we prevent our kids from turning into that? Well, we're missing this piece of our practice where the kids are, you know, anywhere from one to, you know, say six, seven years old when we start doing early orthodontics. And so that piece of the practice has really evolved quite significantly over the last couple of years. That's where the myofunctional piece comes into play. That's where the comprehensive um, exam comes into play and we figure out, you know, does this, does this, this child need to see an ENT? Do they need to see body worker? Do they need to have nutrition counseling? Do they, they need to get a growth appliance? Do they need my therapy? Do they, do they, do they need a release, you know, with, um, you know, some other oral structures that are, that are limited. So yeah, I mean, it's grown, it's grown significantly from womb to tomb is what we, is what kind of we, we, we say at this point, and there's no patient that we can't treat at this point. Um, so when you say early intervention, like my, two and a half year old got an ALF appliance, right? My, my, my daughter Reese, when she was the youngest patient in our practice mm-hmm. to get, get an ALF appliance. And it was wild because I don't know if you have any of these anecdotes from your practice, but the first night we put, and, and here's, the, here's, the, here's the thing that's really crazy. And I know you can relate to this. We always thought my son was the bad sleeper. We always thought my daughter was the good sleeper, right? My son gets up at six in the morning, every single morning. And he's the one who kind of fights to go to bed. And we're like, man, he, he's not getting enough sleep. And like, once we started learning more about this and we started like walking in, watching him sleep, like he kind of sleeps like a mummy, right? He sleeps on his back. His, his, his sheets are in the same place they were when we, when we, when we put him to bed, you know, he's getting that, that nine, 10 hours of sleep and that's what he needs. And he's fully functioning the next day. Whereas my daughter will go down at eight o'clock and she's literally sleeping till eight o'clock the next day. We're like waking her up. But, you know, you go in there, the hair is disheveled, the pillows are all over the place. I mean, we went in there one time. I remember she was sleeping on the floor. Like mm. she wasn't even sleeping in her bed. She's sleeping on the floor. Like her head's down by where her feet is. Her blankets are thrown. I'm like, that is, that's interrupted sleep. That's, that's, yeah. that, this is dysfunctional sleep. Like no wonder she needs 12 hours of sleep. I yeah. mean, that's not, that's not a secret. So when we started kind of going in and watching our, our kids sleep, and this is what we tell our parents to do when we do, you know, our consultation is take three videos, you know, go in at 10 o'clock, take a video, go in at 12 o'clock, take a video, go in at three o'clock, take a, take a two minute video. And then we want to see what those look like. We want to look, we're, we're looking for lip closure. We, we're looking for restful sleep. We're, we're looking for inaudible breathing. We don't want to hear the kid breathing. Yeah. You know, we're looking for peaceful sleep. We're looking for you know, deep delta wave sleep and REM sleep. That's going to, you know, be responsible for all that cognitive development and all those neural pathways that are being formed at such a young age. I mean, that's the time where you want to get involved in these kids. So we put an appliance, we put the ALF appliance into my daughter's mouth. I'm not joking. I'm not joking with you. And we, my, my son got his and my daughter got theirs on the same exact day. Dr. Green put them in the same exact day. My son slept longer. My daughter slept uh, less. It It was like, it was like, crazy. It was like both, both paradigms sort of changed and they completely, you know, um, it, it was, it was just wild because we went in there and like my daughter's sleeping in the same position and she wasn't waking up with like, you know, grogginess. And so since then, I mean, my daughter's been in an appliance, the ALF appliance now for, um, you know, she's going to be for this at the end of the summer. So she's been in the appliance for about a year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing. My son's been in his appliance for a year as well, and he'll be six. Um, so it's like, you know, that early intervention type stuff, we don't, we don't really put an age on it. It's like, when does the kid need help? And even if we're just doing a little bit of nutrition counseling, even if we're just doing a little bit of my functional therapy off the bat, like some breathing retraining things like that, like it helps, you know, it helps a ton. Like my, my, one of my best friends was in last week for his um, son who's five, his, his consultation and, we literally got him off we told him hey let's do a two two week trial without dairy and um let's also you know get him to use um you know Flonase sensimist and he's like dude you wouldn't believe it like Evan is is now he 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 didn't get up once last night and mm-hmm. he he, he I went in there and he's like breathing through his nose and like so just like little changes like that can make yeah. such a big difference and i mean that like to your point you know with your daughter like we're we when we do a comprehensive evaluation and we're taking 3D imaging and things like that, we're able to measure the cranial bones. We're able to measure the palate and we're able to see, you know, okay, maybe they're sleeping well, but do they still need intervention? Do they still need Mm -hmm. growth appliance? Do they still need, you know, my functional therapy to get the tongue up to the roof of the mouth and and get that development to happen. And so there's never, never too early of an age, I I guess would be my answer to that. And that's the, uh, a a long way to say whenever, whenever, whenever the child shows, signs, like mm-hmm. they don't even have to have symptoms whenever the child shows a sign. Um, and we, and we, we feel like we can intervene. That's when we do it. And, you know, for a lot of these patients, we know these treatment plans are going to take 10 years, you know, we're, we're going to be with them their whole, their through the kids, whole entire development. And it's our goal to prevent them from ever having to come see me when they get older. You yeah. know, we don't want them to turn into me. We don't want them to turn into my wife. The sick people that I deal with every day I'm dealing with yeah. sick. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Dr. Joanne is now is preventing sickness. So we have, that. we've, we've created quite a team and it's just so empowering to talk about. And so I'm so proud of what we've been able to do.
0: Yeah. And, and for anybody who's maybe new to the podcast, I'm the same way, you know, I had traditional orthodontia. I had that rapid palatal expander. I had braces. And, um, then after that, they put me into a permanent upper and lower lingual bar and they said, Oh, this will fall out, fall out by the time you're 20. I think I was 13 when they put them in. Okay at 30, I finally was like, can somebody please take these things out of my mouth? It is really hard to keep that area clean. And I got, you know, I was going for extra cleanings because of the, the plaque buildup beneath the bar behind my lower teeth. And so anyways, fast forward, he took it off. My teeth started shifting on the bottom and I was like, what's going on? Come on. Like These things have been in for 17 years. <laughs> like This is not cool. So finally at the age of whatever I was and my, you know, early thirties, I went and was like, all right, something's up. And this was also after I had taken my myo course. I knew I was tongue tied. And so after I had my second daughter, I had my tongue tie revised. And from there I was like, all right, well, I know I need an appliance. So I went through two years of DNA and I'm about to finish up one year of Invisalign. And the Invisalign is really just cosmetic because I'm vain. Um, okay. so <laughs> I was like, okay. please, please fix those teeth that were beautifully straight before. I know my palate wasn't beautiful, but I know my teeth were at least straight. Um, So, but it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to have space for my tongue. Now it's amazing to, you know, I definitely, I need a septoplasty. I'm not done. I still have other things to do along, along my journey to really maximize my airway. But looking at my images and especially looking at Lily's, my, my five-year-old, almost six-year-old, she, it's incredible. Incredible to see how much her palate grew in the course of a year. And I really think, you know, we say this with early intervention, just in general, the sooner you get in, the faster things start to improve, right? So it's much easier to get in and work with a pliable toddler or, you know, elementary age child versus waiting till the traditional, like, hey, we got to waste for the permanent teeth come in or an adult like myself. I mean, not as easy and definitely it's more complex. There's more interventions needed. It takes longer. It's, yeah, I mean, for me, even with my DNA Viva Suppliance, about fifty 50% of the way through, about a year in, I I was getting body work, but I noticed that when I would, I had to increase the frequency of the, uh, I was going to work with a PT who does um, manual counter strain and is PRI trained and, you know, and he is just phenomenal. And I noticed that I had to go to him in order to crank my appliance because my bones, they were, nothing wanted to move anymore. It was like, okay, you've hit a wall where, you know, traditional person might've said, oh, we're done. And I said, you know, my team was like, no, 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 you're not done. We just have to make sure that we prime the environment so that you can continue to grow that palette in the way that needs to be grown. And it's I'm very thankful for my team. And it's really very cool to have that type of network and just that team who fully holistically comes together, looks at the individual patient cases, okay, here's where we're at. Here's where we're trying to go. And here are the different options to get there. And those options often decrease as you get older. So mm-hmm.
1: it's, it's we'll nice to have a- options
0: with younger kids.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, what, what you're describing there is, you know, your, your pathway to health. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I've learned this and like you know, I use the ALF appliance in in our, in our practice. I use the Vivos DNA appliance in our practice. We use the homeo block in our practice. We use, you know, normal sleep appliances in our practice. You know, I use orthotics in our practice. We use a lot of different, you know, um, selections, variants of, you know, things that we put in people's mouths to help, you know, get to the, to the end goal. I mean, and there's a million ways to do it, but I think what you and I have learned through doing this for so long is, the body needs to be ready for it, and the body yeah. needs to facilitate what's about to happen. So we're 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 kind of fools if we think we just put something in there and it's just going to change everything just with a twist or just having it in there. And that's just not how the body works. The yeah. body's just so much more, you know, intricate than that, and everything's connected. And that's what we've learned. It's like we've learned this from so many different people. And I've and I've you know I think this is a great point to bring up. Like I've learned from the best, right? I've been personally trained by Dr. Zaki. I've been personally trained by Bar- Barry Raphael. I've been personally, cha- tra- tra- personally trained by, you know, Saru Zagi, by Daniel Clower, by Kevin Boyd. I mean, all these, by James Bronson, all these people that I've, I've been, that I have personal connections with, that I text on a daily basis. You know, there's not one day that goes by that I don't, I don't text one of those guys or I don't text, you know, some of my people that I've learned from and just say, hey, in this situation, what do you think? You know, we just, we, we collaborate, we collaborate, we collaborate. And I've, I've learned that I've, I'm never gonna fall in one person's camp. I'm never gonna put an ALF appliance in every single person's mouth. Yeah. I'm never gonna do a VBOS DNA appliance. I'm never gonna refer out to Dr. Mariana Evans for rapid palatal expansion with TADs involved for every single, like every, like I, that's my job. My job is to do a comprehensive evaluation, pull out all the factors, find the root cause, identify what the origin of the problems are, Uh, And then listen to the patient. Like, what are the patient's chief complaints? You know, if the patient just wants to get back into bed because they're snoring, you know, I'm probably not going to push them into TAD rapid palatal expansion with Dr. Evans, which is going to take 24 months. You know, I'm I'm probably not going to push a DNA appliance on them. I like to meet up my patients with where they're at. And that's why when I see a patient, I want to create pathways to health. And I want to say, here's one way you can do it. Here's another way. Here's this way. But I want to let you know that if you choose this way, it involves a lot of sacrifice. It involves a big commitment. It involves an open mind. It involves you challenging a lot of the things that perhaps maybe your physicians are telling you, you know, and not to discredit any of the physicians. A lot of them have come a long way. I gave a, a lecture last week to the American college of lifestyle medicine and have, you know, that they may consider adding a six pillar. I don't know if you know about the ACLM, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, but it, it's these these physicians that basically believe in lifestyle change, and they believe that lifestyle change is the best way to treat. They're not with the magic pills and yeah. you know just treating with pharmacology. They they sort of take more of an active approach and get involved with um, nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress management, all that. Well, they have five pillars of they have five pillars of um, of health is what they call it. And so they had me come and speak, um, to the, to the board and they're now considering making breathing the sixth pillar oh, of, which would be, be pillar number one, yeah, which would be incredible. And like, yeah, so yeah. there's a, there's a guy named Howard Jacobson. He interviewed me last August, um, on his, um, podcast called plant yourself. And he is like, I would have said that nutrition was number one pillar of success. And he's a big ACLM guy. Um, he's like, I truly believe after, after, and he came, he drove from North Carolina to have an evaluation by me. And wow. you know what my, what my treatment plan was is uh, expansion and my functional therapy. And he's like, oh my gosh. So he's in this process of like changing his whole breathing and structure and function and all that stuff. Um, But he, he then did a podcast on on me. And he's like, I truly believe that that breathing is the number one thing in the world and is the most overlooked undiagnosed underrepresented you know, whole entire function in the entire world. And so we had, we had hours of conversation and debate and he wanted to learn all about it. And and I think from there that kind of spurred, you know, the board members of ACLM to come interview me. And and now I'm working, you know, hard to try and like get people like me and you to do more presentations, because if we can collaborate with those guys and everyone can find an ACLM trained physician in their community, like imagine how many more patients we're going to help. Yeah. It's going to be incredible. So we need to continue to bridge these gaps. We need to continue to, you know, go do things that are uncomfortable for us. And like, we can't just be in our little siloed approaches. And so that's why you and I are talking this morning, right? So we can give more people the platform to say, Hey, what I'm thinking is normal. And what I'm thinking may be looked, I may be looked at as the black sheep in my community, but guess what? You know, like, like, um, you know what's the, what's the saying? you know first they first they ignore you then they fight you then they listen then you win right so you know we're, we 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 got to go through those stages and it's not going to be easy but we're knocking down the barriers we're 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 building you know networks we're we're we're, we're connecting bridges and this field of of medicine is just going to get Bigger and better, and more people are going to get helped, and it's because of people like you. So um, that's and yourself,
0: that- and yourself, and, and your book. Let's talk about your book. I mean, so sure. I think that's a phenomenal resource, right? So you've got your book, "The Root Cause: Discover the Why Behind Your TMD and Sleep Issues." So I love that you've put this in writing, and I know we've, we've there have been more books I think that have come out over the past couple of years that really help to build up this space. But I haven't really I don't know if I've seen one about TMD and sleep issues per se. So tell us about it.
1: Yeah. So, um, COVID happened, right? Right. (laughs) So COVID was, was 2015, I, I believe was the, is the most impactful year of my life, right? That's when things completely changed. Besides that COVID was the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, I was, again, I was kind of in this zone where I was just going a million miles an hour, like treating as many patients as I could and COVID hit. And I ended up in my office with my kids screaming in the, in the next room you know to to play with them and it was march and and i'm like what in the heck am i gonna do with my time here we closed <laughs> the office for a month and i'm like you know what this is this is i had to take inventory of my whole entire life i took inventory of my family of my profession of all the people that i thought were impactful in my life and it was a good time to just sit down and reflect. Like you never get, you know, you know it, you have, a, you're, you have, you have the same, same age kids as me. Like yeah. when, do, when do you and I get a chance to reflect, mm-hmm. right? So we don't have much reflection time. So it gave me a time to just kind of get away and reflect on like, where do we need to go? Like, okay, I've had a lot of success, but I've had success. How do I get more people to have success? How do we, how do we create a social movement, right? I mean, I have a, we, we need to create a social movement. Physicians don't change, providers don't change, educational institutions don't change without social movements, and yeah. we've seen this across all other spaces. Um, if we don't create awareness in the public, in the public's eye, then we're never going to get the we're never going to get the the changes that that you and I want to see. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it's like okay. I created a new company called integrated airways, right? So that's, that's my consulting company. I do like business mentorship for dentists who want to be, you know, more like me, I do CE and stuff. So I created this 10 part CE series during COVID where I basically had, you know, I spoke on pediatric airways. It's, you can find all this stuff on my YouTube page and on integrativeairways.com. And I created a 10 part series where I just wanted to educate, 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 you know, for providers, for the public, for all that stuff. And so, I realized, you know, I'm pretty good at telling stories and I'm pretty good at like, you know, taking the patients that I've been able to treat and giving them a platform so that other people can relate to them. And that's what it's all about. Like everybody wants to find a patient that they can relate to. Because because without that, I don't think we you know, you get the buy-in, you want to find yeah. someone who's like you, right? right. You, you can, you can look at all these people and say, ah, well that's that you know, he he's, he's overweight or he doesn't do this or, you know, all these excuses in the whole entire world. Right. But you want to find someone who's, who's relatable to you. So I said, why don't I, I create a book that kind of goes over my wife's case, goes over my kid's case, goes over my journey and then pull out, you know, 10 cases that I've been able to do over the last five years and just put their story you know, in a book and like, let people relate to it. And I tried to pick different patients that I felt like all dealt with different things. You know, a trigeminal neuralgia case, um, you know, a case that a ton of patients come to me, the majority of my practice that I see is TMD related. And, and, you know, the people are coming in with head pain and they just wanna get rid of their headaches or jaw pain. And they just wanna be able to open wide enough to eat a burger, right? Just like simple things like that, that then when we dive into it and we go into the root cause, And we, we, we ask why, and then when we know the answer to why, then we ask why. And then when we know the answer to that, why we just keep asking why, 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 until we get to the root of the problem. And like one of my other mentors, Jameson Spencer, who's like the TMD and airway sleep apnea guy. um, And I've learned a lot from him. He kind of taught me, you know, the mystery is in the history. And Mm -hmm. if you don't take a good history then you can't figure out what's going on with that patient and you can't figure out how to help them. And so when I was in the general dental practice, I had a really tough time going from prepping a crown, doing five hygiene checks, taking off my loops, and then being able to talk to someone about their sleep. I had a really, really hard time wearing that hat. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, you know what? I can't, I got to dedicate myself to TMD and sleep only. So, you know, the book is about telling people stories. That's really all, all it's about. I mean, I would love to say that, it's as powerful as like the James Nestor book. No, I mean, that guy's born to write, right? I mean, that that book, like literally changed, changed my life. And I already knew about all this stuff. Like he like, what an unbelievable mission that guy went on. And what an unbelievable story. And I think I have patients that walk in my office every day, like they're literally clutching that book, like it's the Bible. And yeah. they're like, I came to see you because of this book. And I'm like, that's fantastic. So we need more of these you know documentaries, and and I'm and I'll, I'll hook you up with the, with a couple of these guys. But a couple of my buddies in in California are working on a Netflix documentary on oh, breeding, awesome. Awesome. and that's kind of behind the scenes type of thing. But I'm being interviewed, Clowers being interviewed, Almost is being interviewed, Zoggy's being interviewed, the Lipskisses are being interviewed, but Kevin Boyd, I mean all all of all these people like the, in MySpace are all being interviewed, and we're gonna have this um, hopefully this documentary that's premiered on on Netflix, and we're, we're the goal is to create a social movement. Yeah. Right. Where, yeah. Where, where moms start going into their pediatricians and asking questions and demanding answers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people start looking for the why behind their problems and looking for, you know, instead of just surviving, you know, that's another little key thing that we like, let's not just survive, let's thrive, right? Yeah. Let's take people who are sick and create health. Yeah. So these are all things that, you know, I'm just trying to like do my part to just share with the world. Hey here's 10, here's 10, here's 10 cases. Can, can you relate to, to any of them? And I find that I've, I've tried to pick, you know, young patients, old patients in the middle, pain patients, airway patients, all that stuff. And just try and have, you know, more people relate to someone in the book. And when, when you relate to someone in the book, you then go give my book to somebody else and say, Hey, you need to read this chapter six is about you. I, I literally read chapter six and I thought about you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, read this book and then go see this guy. And he's going to, he might not be able to fix you, but he's for darn sure going to find someone who can fix you. Yeah. And that's what happened. That's what happens with me. You know, we welcome, you know, 60 to 75 new patients to my office per month. And like, you know, I'd say 40 of them get treated in my office. The other 20, 30 of them, like well, I'm sending somewhere else. I'm sending to, to Joanna. I'm sending to Lauren for my functional therapy. I'm sending to Mariana Evans. I'm sending to ENT. Like I'm sending to, I'm sending out for CPAPs every day, you know, the CPAPs can work and they, they are helpful for people. Um, so yeah, the book is, is about telling stories and it's special to me because I got a chance to open up about my journey and, you know, importantly for me, my wife and my kids who mean the world to me and, and, Um, COVID gave me a chance to take inventory on my family. And that's when I got my family into treatment. And, um, you know, the, the, the proof is in the pudding, right? Like if you don't live this stuff, I got a septoplasty, right? I I fixed my nose. And so when you talk about the root cause, like I, I, here's a quick little, little side story. I go in to get my teeth clean in one of our general practices. My hygienist who's been cleaning my teeth for the last six, seven years, She's like, Hey, have you, have I, have I told you that you're grinding your teeth? I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? I'm like, I don't don't grind my teeth. I'm the sleep guy. I'm the TMD guy. What are you talking about? No, I'm like, no, I don't have any pain. She's like, well, your joint pops. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's been like that forever. It's probably the, the result of my orthodontist back in the day, right? Pushing every, distalizing everything and pushing, you know, my condyle back so far that I now have a disc displacement. Whatever. That's just orthodontics, you know, general orthodontics in in general. But um, you know, so I'm like, no, no, no possible way. She's like, no, I'm gonna show you pictures. She, she took pictures and I'm like, man, like my teeth are kind of wearing down a little bit. I'm losing a little bit of enamel here. So I I go home the night. I asked my wife, this was like four, this is probably like three, four years ago. I'm like, Do I grind my teeth? And she's like, Yeah, when you sleep. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me this? I'm like, why didn't you tell me that I grind my teeth when I'm sleep, sleep? And She was like, Oh, I don't know. I didn't never bothered me. I didn't, you know, it's it's it, you know, didn't know if it was a problem. So I'm like, oh, I gotta figure this out. So I do a full workup on myself, scan the whole nine yards. I found out I had this terribly deviated nasal septum. I mean, terrible with like a grade four bone spur touching the lateral wall. My sinuses were like 30, 40, 50% filled, um, you know, with with junk. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't breathe through my nose. So if I can't breathe through my nose at nighttime, of course, my body's going to go into fight or flight mode. Of course, my brain's going to recruit my muscles of my airway and my face to grind and clench my teeth. And once I fixed my septum, and so I made myself an orthotic at that point, once I fixed my septum, literally my grinding problems went away when I started taping my mouth, wearing my nasal cones to open up my nasal valves, got the inside of my nose fixed, and Like literally my grinding went away. And now I feel like I don't wake up at nighttime. I go to bed. I need seven, seven half hours of sleep. I wake up feeling great. I wake up, you know, the Energizer bunny as everybody um, calls me, you know, with my staff. And, you know, it's just like, but that's all I needed. You know, I, I needed, I needed my nose fixed. Yeah. And the nose is just so important. The nose is the is the nose is the pharmacist for our minds. The nose is the, the gatekeeper for our bodies. The nose is the weather weather vein for our emotions. I mean, the nose is what it's all about, nitric oxide inside our paranasal sinuses. Like, you know, I could go on and on about br- the, the physiology about breathing, which I won't. But like that was my problem. And everybody's got different problems. Like my, my functional therapist, Lauren Um Reinhold, who's amazing. She helps people every day, you know, kind of like you do all she needed was a pair of nose cones like that's all that was keeping her from from getting into deep deep delta wave sleep deep restorative sleep like she was waking up every hour because of this collapse with her nose i i did a workup on her i said lauren you're like healthy you're like healthy as a horse the only problem is your nasal valves are pinched shut you have no room to get air into your nose and she's like really so i gave her nose cone she's like oh my gosh She's like, Ryan, I slept through the night last night. I'm like, get out of here. So since then, I've had three more hygienists in our general practice that have come in that have just needed nasal cones. Like no expensive treatment, no surgeries, no expansion. Like literally their chief complaints was like waking up at nighttime. Mm -hmm. And with nasal cones, now they're like, they're breathing better you know, and, and they're staying into, into deep sleep. So it can be simple. You know, you got to meet people where they're at and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take inventory of what their chief complaints are. And you have to work tireless tirelessly to fix the chief complaints because once you fix somebody, they're going to go tell their friends, they're going to go tell their family, and they're going to just, you know, shout you to the mountaintops to, you know, anybody who will listen. And we've just created such believers in what we do. And so my book is about putting those, those patients on, on a, on a platform.
0: I love that. And it's, it's, you know, on my website, it actually says something like, because we talk about the transformation that we give our families. And it says something like from surviving to thriving, we help our patients and their families realize what is possible. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those things. I also do coaching with um, private practice owners in our space. And I have a mastermind of um, individuals who wanted to do, they wanted to grow their practices this year. And so they're They're in the business mastermind that I run. And we talked a lot about, you know, it's not so much about the marketing is not about, hey, here's what I do. It's about what transformation are you going to give to these individuals that are coming to see you? And I think that thriving is, it's subjective. That's defined by your patient. What does thriving mean to them? And so I love how you've highlighted several times one thing that I preach we may feel like we know the best plan. We know what we would love for you to do, but we also know it is a financial commitment. It is a time commitment. It is an energy commitment. It is like, this is gonna be your life for a number of years ahead of you. And so if you're not fully bought into that and that's not your goal for yourself, we need to meet them where they're at. And I've had adults come to me and, small jaw, very crooked teeth, or, you know, they were developing a, um, an open bite that was continuing to open up. And this person, this individual was in their thirties. And they said to me, I don't want the appliance. I don't want surgery. I don't want years and years of therapy or appliance work. I just want to stop this from continuing to get worse. And I was like, okay, So we did myofunctional therapy and I'm telling you in six sessions, she was well on her way. Her tongue now would it didn't fit that well in her palate, but it fit as well as it was going to with the anatomy she had in place in which she wanted to work with. And we did teach her to stop thrusting her tongue forward and swallow properly to the best of her ability, which means she's no longer going to have that tongue resting on the teeth or pushing against the teeth during while she's swallowing. And, you know, for her, that was her goal. And that's where I had to meet her. And, you know, as, as much as I know it sometimes kills, uh, professionals in this space. Cause we go like, Oh, I know what we could do here. Like this would be such yeah. a cool case to see that, see it all the way through seeing it through for them. They get to choose what that is, right. They get to define that. And I want to be able just like you to meet that person where they're at, give them what they're requesting. And Hey, sometimes they turn around and go, you know what? Like, I know that I said, I only wanted this, but I now realize what I was missing out on. I didn't realize that my sleep was so awful. I didn't realize that it didn't, that it wasn't normal to feel this exhausted and have this excessive daytime sleepiness. I didn't realize that, you know, I had all these other symptoms that were connected to what's going on in my mouth. And they, when they start to taste a little bit about, of how much more you know, how much better they can function during the day. They go, okay, I want more. <laughs> now it's like, now I've become a little bit of a junkie. And I've had some patients who then go, okay, what's next? I'm committed now. Like you've got, and, and that's because we just started little, we got their foot in the door. We gave them what they asked for. We didn't push our agenda on them. And, and then they, you know, and not everybody, some people are just happy to have that, whatever that quick fix is, even if it's not a addressing the root cause totally. Um, but for all intents and purposes, I love that you really speak to, individualized therapy listening to your patients figuring out you know what's going on where this all started and what we can do for them today based on their goals for themselves so I think that that's really an important point um, because we can definitely still make a lot of improvement and changes for a patient even if they're not going the full gamut (laughs) Um, so let's, let's talk about, I know you have an airway symposium coming up, a pediatric airway symposium coming up, uh, this fall. So share that with us. Everybody knows about the event.
1: Yeah. I'm super, super, super stoked to kind of get this message out. I mean, this is the, you know, it's, it's full circle, right? I started treating the adults who were sick. Then they asked me how they could treat their, their kids. And now we've, we've dedicated a lot of our practice to treating kids. So um, I felt extremely honored. This is the fourth annual Pediatric Airway Symposium. And I'm going to give you a couple of side stories because I, I always do. And I'm going to take us down a rabbit hole. But the fourth annual Pediatric um, Airway Symposium is for, it's for all professionals. It's for SLPs out there. It's for PTs. It's for OTs. It's for physicians. It's for um, pediatricians. It's for orthodontists. It's for dentists. You know, it's for everybody to come in. Like it's for ENTs. It's for pulmonologists. Um, it's for everybody to come and learn about like how we can impact today's youth. How, like, w- when can we, how, when do we, when do we intervene? Like what things do we need to look for? If everybody just knew a list of like five things to look for, good gosh, we'd be able to treat thousands, maybe millions of, of more patients. So, you know, Daniel Clower, who's one of my best friends in the whole entire world. Um, he, he put this on in his hometown of South Bend, Indiana, um, Five years ago, we missed last year. Well, I was supposed to have it last year. Of course, COVID happened, right? And um, so we had to push back a year. So it went from, I believe, South Bend, Indiana, to then it went to um, uh, maybe Missouri or Kansas City or somewhere in the Midwest. Then it went out to San Jose, California, and now it's in Philadelphia. And I was asked to host this. And this isn't my event, This I'm, just, I'm, just ask, I'm being asked to host this. So it's really special to me. I think we've got an incredible, incredible speaker, speaker lineup. Dr. Zaghi is the keynote speaker this year. Um, Dr. Steven Olmos, for people who don't know that, he's been doing this stuff for like 40 years. Um, he's, the, he's the king when it comes to clinical protocols and systems and things like that. He's who taught me how to, how to create a comprehensive system in my office. I use all of his protocols um, for you know new patients in my office. Um, he's speaking, you know, like I said, Kevin Boyd, Daniel Clower, Eric Phelps, Mariana Evans, uh, Crystal Finchum, who's a my functional therapist, um, myself, uh, Darius Lagmani, who's a, who's a, um, a sleep physician out in Chicago. Um, you know, there's going to be so many, there's going to be a panel at the end. It's going to be a great, great, like, can't miss event we're doing, um, in person and we're doing virtual. We realize, you know, we, we decided to do virtual just so we could get more people to hear the message. The goal is to have everybody come. The goal is to have 500 people to come. The goal is to have everybody come and be able to network and be able to shake hands and be able to like, you know, create, you know, this synergy. And but if they can't come, they can at least sign up for virtual. We have this Remo platform that we're using this year first time ever. You know, but um special little story and this is kind of close to my heart. 2 years ago was when my wife had her aha moment. We went to San Jose, California and I roped my wife into going with me. Now she's been working for the business sort of a little bit, you know, with like branding and like marketing and that type of thing, but she never really had her why. And of course, you know, I'm sure you, you can relate to this with like your husband, you tell your husband something. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah." And then like somebody comes who's maybe doesn't even know as much as you and tells your husband something and your husband's like, did you hear what she said at dinner? And you're like, that's what I say every single day to you. Like, what are you talking about? And so like, she just needed to hear it from somebody else. Cause she's like been, she thinks I'm crazy. Like with all the passion that I have with all this stuff, but now she does it. So she, she went out to this pediatric airway symposium. I roped her into it. Cause I promised her we would go to Napa for wine. Um, there so go. it was in San Jose, California. We went to the pediatric airway symposium. They were going to head right up to, to wine country and do this great event. It was myself, Dr. Green, Dr. Green's husband, who's a dentist, Dr. Kyle and um, my wife Renee. And so, uh, she meets her with Dr. Clower in the hallway and Clower goes, yeah, are you coming in? And, he, and she's like, nah, I think I'm going to sit in the hallway, do some work and have some coffee and things like that. I'm, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to go up to Napa. And Clower goes, oh, I, I reserved a seat for you in the front row. And um, <laughs> just kind of joking with her. And she's like, really, do you think I should come in? I'm like, yeah, I think you should. I think you'd learn. So she comes and listens to this full day. And like she at lunchtime, she goes, oh, my God. She goes, remember that girl that they, they, they showed? She's like, that's me. And I was like, I know. And she's like <laughs> that's me like that's my whole entire that's my whole entire childhood. And I was like, I know. And she goes, "Oh my god, like what do I do?" And I'm like, I think the first step is you come in for a comprehensive exam and we can <laughs> figure it out. So we get back, she comes in for an exam, you know, my wife, beautiful, big set of teeth. Um, just, you know, big, beautiful, broad smile, even a little bit, um, kind of gummier smile, um, really kind of more long in the face and, and narrow. I mean, beautiful, beautiful girl. We did this comprehensive evaluation and I didn't realize all the stuff that she struggled with when she was a kid. Like I didn't really realize it all, but she had like chronic ear infections. We, we track we trace back her record. She had nine sets of ear tubes, nine. Wow. And you wow. know, in the myofunctional therapy world, like ear tubes, ear issues, equilibrium issues, swallowing issues. These are all, these, this is all dysfunction. This is all, this is all muscular dysfunction. And so then I had her mom start tracking down all these old photos for me. Every single picture that we looked at thumbs in the mouth until she was seven, every single picture that we looked at. And you'll see this, if you come hear me speak at pediatric airway symposium, Every single picture that we looked at, when she's sleeping, she's got a blankie in her in her fingers. She's got her thumb in her mouth. And obviously her tongue is resting low. So she grew like this. So she's got this really, really steep mandibular angle. Somehow all 32 teeth erupted into her mouth in this little tiny palate. She's got no room for her tongue. She's had all these like hormonal issues, GI issues. She has like, I I personally filled 23 cavities from 2012 to 2015. She had 23 cavities in between her teeth that I had to fill. Now we realize that was because of mouth breathing. Like you know, so my wife had this aha moment. We, we did this whole comprehensive workup, had her take a sleep study. Of course, she didn't come back with sleep apnea because she's breathing a lot. She's like a hyperventilator. She's breathing like, you know, I think it was like 17, 18 times a minute, which is just ridiculous. You know, as you know, you should be at like 10 to 12 breaths per minute. Um, but she's like audibly breathing through her mouth all night long. And it's very frustrating for me to look over and watch her like have her lips open like this, breathing through her mouth. I can hear her breathing throughout the entire night. She wakes up, she's ready for a nap two hours later. It like probably was a wedge that was created inside our 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 personal relationship where I'm like, geez, like you're so lazy. Like, why are you so lazy all the time? Like you always need a nap. You want to go to bed at nine o'clock. You don't want to wake up until eight o'clock in the morning. Like, you know, it was probably a big divide with us. Yeah. And so all the light bulbs went off for her. And like we got her help. So we she came in, she did comprehensive. Um, evaluation. I First place I sent her was my functional therapy to correct all of her dysfunction. Um, Lauren started working with her, you know, and then she started wearing like an orthotic. And then we're like, you know what? She's like, I want more. I want more of this. I want to learn. I want to have the structures in place that I can use because I now know how structurally, you know, insufficient it was. So we sent her to Dr. Evans. Dr. Evans did TAT expansion. I mean, she, she got the big Michael Strahan gap, you know, during covid you know, got this big, beautiful palette, got everything back together with orthodontics, but her lips were still wide open. She had still had in terrible, terrible lip incompetence just because of that really steep, you know, mandibular angle. So, you know, we, we come kind of went back and forth with this. And then eventually she went and saw Dr. Gunson out, out in Santa Barbara. And he did a two jaw surgery where, you know, he did, he basically corrected all of her skeletal you know, problems and now now I mean you'll see the, the the pictures when I present it. It's beautiful. Like she can touch her lips together. I look over at her every night and I just like love her even more, which is Aww. terrible to say, but like I love like looking at her and like seeing that her lips are touching. I, she's she sleeps like seven hours nowadays. And she gets up with me. She goes to bed at 10 30, 11 o'clock at nighttime. She gets up at five 30 to work out every single morning. She doesn't take naps anymore. I mean a complete change. Like she, yeah. she can get on an airplane and not have to like have this intense pain that she dealt with, with all of her ear issues. Um, her, her hormonal issues had have, cal- have calmed down. Like that that patient would have gone unnoticed. Like she doesn't have high blood pressure. She doesn't have a sleep apnea. You know, she's one of these upregulated sympathetic nervous system patients who has upper airway resistance, who never, ever, 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 ever would have been identified in our normal medical model and in our normal dental setting.
0: Yeah. That was me too. All of my labs came back, you know, beautiful. Oh my gosh. They've even increased, you know, the vitamin D required and you're in the top 10%. Do you you get more? I'm like, I barely go in the sun. I don't know how that's happening. You know, I mean, there's, they would tell me all these things about my labs and everything that look beautiful. Everything's, you know, perfect. And I'm going, okay, but I'm exhausted. I like, I fatigue very quickly. I get headaches. I, you know, they're not migraines. My sinuses are awful. I mean, there was one point in my twenties where. I was getting sinus infections every spring and fall, and they would put me on two rounds of Z-Pak followed by Augmentin. And finally, at the the fourth time that happened, I said, can you please look at my chart? Like, this is the fourth time that this has happened. And they they ended up putting, putting me on Augmentin right away that time, and it cleared up much quicker. I'm like, I have been on medications almost... Probably 70% of the months this past year, I'm like, this is not okay. Because when you put somebody on this many rounds of medication, I'm like one, my body's become resistant to ZPAC, that I just don't respond to it anymore. I'm like, and two, we shouldn't need traditional medicine to fix this. Somebody should be looking into why this keeps happening. And I finally was like, you know what? I'm taking this into my own hands. And that was in my 20s before I even knew better. That was before I ever entered into this space. but. I knew something was off. And I, I spoke to somebody yesterday who um, has a podcast, sleep apnea stories. And she said, you know, she was the same way. She was like, I had excessive daytime sleeping, sleepiness. And everybody was pushing me off, telling me I was fine. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Oh, now you're a new mom. That's normal. And she said mm-hmm. the wake up calls when my, her six month old was in the back of the car and she fell asleep at the wheel. And she said, thankfully I woke up right before I hit a truck and I didn't hit it. I was able to you know, hit my brakes. She's like, but I demand, I went, went to google and figured out i need a sleep study and i demanded it and you know how many patients have to fall through the cracks and have these these awful experiences and not understand even what they're missing out on on a daily basis from a functional standpoint because Doctors don't know what to ask for or look at, and they just write it off to, oh, well, everything's coming back normal on your lab, so I don't know what to tell you. And this, I'm like, these are the patients I've had grown men cry in my office in tears because they're like, I've seen 13 other specialists, and not one person asked me these questions or told or or believed me. They did not believe that you know, my dysfunction or that what I'm feeling, they just told me I had PTSD or that I needed to go on, you know, medication for depression or I well, yeah, I, I can't imagine why you're you're depressed and you're having issues, you know, you're not sleeping your body's constantly in fight or flight and so there's just there's so many patients even with very overt symptoms i think for us at least <laughs> that are absolutely falling through the cracks on a daily basis and you know i i love that you're working with early intervention and trying to prevent people ever getting to that position as an adult but for those of you who are adults who are in that position there are things that can be done. And, you know, I don't talk about it much, but my husband is in a growth appliance as well. Um, and, you know, he's, I, I haven't gotten permission to, he doesn't like his his stuff being o- as open and public as the kids and mine are, but, um, but he's in a growth appliance and he's got a tongue tie and he needs Mayo. And so it's, it's baby steps with him, with my mm-hmm. own husband, yeah. and, you know, it, it took him going to our airway centric dentist and having that team say like, Holy cow, like getting him to switch over from, his dentist that he went to, to this dentist who I grew up with, mind you, you know, and he's like, well, she's just going to tell me what you tell her to tell me. So I don't know. Do I believe her? I'm like, yes, you believe her. She'll take scans. She'll show you (laughs) imaging. Um, you know, it's, but it's been incredible because he's had growth and, and for him, it was starting with an ALF appliance, even though we know that that's not necessarily the best appliance that we think for him, you know, he's had implants and, we know that he'll hit a wall at some point um, and probably need a second appliance. But that was that baby step that we had to take because he was like, I'm not going into that DNA vivo. So I watched you sleep in that thing for two years. There's no way you're putting that in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that was our baby step in with him. So we'll see where that
1: goes. (laughs) I mean, but it's a, but it's a great point. It's just like meet the patient where they're, where they're at. And you know, when we put on these events and you do these podcasts and you know, people come to these pediatric airway symposiums, it just takes one person. Like you know, saying something that resonates with the, with the patient and now they're on their journey and not everybody wants to go on the journey, but at least they know that it's there for them. And, you know, we're not going anywhere, you and I, like we're, we're, we're just creating more people underneath of us who can do what we do. Cause we know we're not artists, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're scientists really, we, we want to make sure that, you know, the things that we know in our brains, we're able to kind of teach other people how to do what we do and, and help more people. So I think one of the things that you described that I think is really powerful is hope, right? A lot of patients, like grown men, coming into your office and crying. Yeah. You know why they're crying? Because they have hope for the first time. Yeah. They like we joke about it all the time. I'm oftentimes the sixth or seventh, eighth specialist that yeah. someone has seen. Yeah. No one's given them any answers. There's probably there's probably not a week that goes by. I know there's not a month that goes by where I don't we don't get at least one person like literally sobbing at their consult. <laughs> and exactly. it's because we've just shown them what has gone on. Yeah. They've had that light bulb click in their head and they're like, oh my gosh, it makes sense. I haven't even touched them yet. I haven't treated them yet.
0: Right, right. But
1: they're, what they're crying about is called hope. Yeah. And hope is something that you can never discredit because when a patient has hope and a patient begins to know that their symptoms are not, are, there's, a, there's, a, there's a root cause behind it and there's the way that we can fix it, it's, it's overwhelming for a lot of patients. Yeah. And some people, like your husband, we start small, and they eventually ask us for more. And some people, we go full boat because they're ready. They're ready to take their journey the moment they walk in. And so, um, it's cool. But that that hope thing, like, don't ever discredit that. Like, when you give someone hope, you've just given them a new lease on life, and that's extremely powerful.
0: It is. And it's, it's what I love about what we do. So, well, I will, um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time today. This has been amazing, but we will definitely link the pediatric airway symposium. And I will say, you know, Mariana Evans has been on the podcast. We've had, um, or not we've had, I've heard Darius and Kevin both speak in person at Jane Bronson's event live uh, a couple of years back in, in Virginia before, before COVID happened. Um, and so I know these are some phenomenal speakers that you guys have lined up. I know Sarush Sagi. I've, I've heard him speak virtually uh, several times. So, you know, it's, it looks like it's gonna be a phenomenal event in Philadelphia, October 23rd or 22nd to 23rd. So again, we'll link that in the show notes for anybody who's interested. And just thank you so much, Ryan, for joining me today.
1: Yeah, this was awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much. I hope to chat with you again in a couple of years when we're doing even newer, cooler stuff, because you, you and I both know this is an evolving field that we're in. So um, we, we joke it's the current version of what we're doing now. So thanks for all your contributions again. Really appreciate it. And I look forward to speaking with you again.
0: You as well. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Myo Tots Airway and Feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the Untethered Podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms join us over on Facebook on my Facebook page at Hallie biz on Instagram at at Hallie and you can head over to the to grab a copy of the show notes um, where you can also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes.